Well, here we are again, <laughs> back on uh, my podcast. I wanted to think about a way that I could uh, do some kind of an intro here. I saw Raylan Nelson had a great one, and um, I'm not that tech savvy. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. Okay. I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, that's really cool. How did Raylan do that? Won't she teach me? <laughs> I I love I love the idea that I used to be able to do some things on my podcast. Um, I had a YouTube channel. Uh, people can look through and see some of the things that I had done in the past. I did an intro as the Alpha Wolf, you know, and I was the Alpha Wolf, and uh, I still am the Alpha Wolf, but I don't go by that as much because. A lot of my friends at that time are either dead or um, doing something else. Um, the Wolfpack Conservation Society, look it up. We, we did a lot for like 20 years, um, different things for uh, the environmental issues and, and whatnot. Uh, good friends of mine, um, all of them uh, were wonderful in it. We all kind of went our own ways, though, you know, and it's kind of sad. It's really kind of sad to think about it. Um, I lost a lot of dear friends through the years, and one of them was Diane Robinson in Australia. And, um, man, I think when, when she passed away, everything kind of just, to me, I lo it lost something. But I had these videos I would do with a nice intro, and I'd like to do that again, you know, get something with a wolf howl, and I don't know. <laughs> the stuff the stuff you do when you're younger, and you look back on it and say, why did I do that? Why did I do it that way? Um, it seems a little ridiculous, um, but uh, it's really not, because it it shows you who you've been I've recently been looking through old pictures here. I have uh, some negatives, and I bought this negative viewer. And there were ones... I went to my cousin's wedding about a week and a half ago. We took my great aunt with us, my, my grandmother's sister, Dorothea. And Dorothea is really the last of her generation left. So, you know, we're social distancing, of course. I... Uh, had a mask on, and she did. I bought some N95s to make sure she was okay with it. And I heard a little bit of these stories, and she said, you know, I don't have any pictures of my parents. She said, I lost them all. So I'm looking through ones that my grandmother had, and I found a good many. And I've been working on restoring them, and it's a painstaking process to go in and try to digitally fix them. I have a way that I can use an algorithm to kind of help bring the detail back to them. It's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But I found one of my grandmother when she was a little girl and of my of Dorothea and my grandparents. Uh, they had it rough growing up. They had it really rough. And sitting there thinking about it, I showed it around and... Uh, my sister said something like, wow, look how old old our grandmother was. Look how young she was there. How can that be the same person? And I'm 
feeling that looking back at my own life, like all the people you've been along the way, all the things that you've known, all the people that have made you who you are. Um, that's, that's an amazing, amazing process to sit and analyze your life that way. I spoke in my last podcast about Ram Dass and I am loving awareness and I think in a lot of ways he this is a carryover from exactly what I thought with him he said uh, you know he had been Richard Alpert and became Ram Dass because of a spiritual experience now he didn't lose Richard Alpert he lost all of the false senses of who he was. He gave up all of those senses of uh, achievements, of of titles, of, of all these things, you know. And I was really drawn to that. And it's it's amazing. It's really amazing when you look back at your life. Going going back to, to what I felt at that time. And looking through these pictures, I'm reminded of, of, of this book here again, The Enlightened Heart, an anthology of sacred poetry edited by Stephen Mitchell. And I think about the uh, poet Jalib. There's two, two poems, in fact, I'd like to read for you of Jalib's thinking about this process of a person's lifetime. The first one is, the colors of tulips and roses are not the same, yet in each we ascent to a single spring. We turn our hands to the sketchbook only for love, needing some pretext for meeting. What sorry man drinks for pleasure, night and day I raise oblivion's glass. In the hour of forgetfulness, the head lies by the wine jar, the hour of prayer, the face turns to the call. Let me be clear, however the world's goblet turns, those who know are always drunk on the wine of the self. In the second poem, Even at prayer our eyes look inward. If the gates to the holy is shut, we must turn away. The one is the only the one ever knows. What marrying icon can hold it face to face. Held back unvoiced, grief bruises the heart, not reaching the river, a raindrop is swallowed by dust. If a story brings only tears and not blood to the eyes, it is simply a lover's tale. Whoever can't see the whole, in every part, plays a blind man's bluff. The wise man tastes the entire tigress in every sip. What is what is Jaleeb saying in that? I mean, I'm, what I I'm putting all this together. I'm putting all together. I'm wanting to do an intro, thinking about my life, and I'm only, I'm only seven and a half minutes in, and I still haven't even started this. Or have I? You know, um, looking back at myself and all of the titles and, and things, the accolades in one's life. They're important to you. They define who you are to a certain extent. But but they don't really tell you what you should be and who you are. 
Um, I'm reminded of a good friend of mine, and I hope he doesn't get mad at me for saying his name, but Dan Miller. Great, great teacher. He's a father. He's a good man. And I'll never forget, this is one of the greatest actors I've ever known. We were in college, and he goes, and he uh, got this state award, and it was really prestigious. Now, I just happened to be, I think I had to give him a ride that day, and he got this award, and the professor was like, wow, you know, this is one of the biggest awards you can get. And he says, where are you going to go from here? And Dan was just talking, and I said, well, Dan, you put that, take your drawer like this right here, to your desk, take your watch, wind it up, okay, you put your ward in that drawer, you can't look at it, and I got this look of horror from this professor at first, and he was like, what do you mean, and I said, well, I've, you know, myself, I've had many awards, and I said, Dan, I says, you are a great actor, and you're in college, and I said, you have a great career ahead of you, no matter what it is, uh, the more you look at your accomplishments, the more they'll define you in a way. Uh, you should never think about what you've done. Very few artists, people, are able to accomplish this. What's the difference? You know, what, what's the difference? Uh, I've known some very talented people that never became famous or many of our heroes have never been become famous until after their death does that mean they were failures no the difference herein speaking as an artist speaking as anybody is to define yourself on your own terms how many novelists write a really great book, the sequel's mediocre, and by the end, they've tied themselves in so many knots, they have to write an ending for it. And really, they don't feel the need to do it because it's defined them. The novel has become them. And by the time they have to tie it up, it leaves the reader either one of, one of three Thoughts. The first thought being that, wow, that ended real quick, and that's how I expected I'd write it. The second one is either, wow, that just ended abruptly without a real ending. The third one is being where it was too elaborate and unrealistic. And then they write a fourth novel, because they've had all this fame from these three novels, and it bombs. They lose something. Very few people have not been so wrapped up in limelight and spotlight and who they are and their belief in their self as a false fixture of the self <coughs> that they uh sorry that they lose it they don't lose it i mean think of the great great concept albums think of people like willie nelson chris christopherson jackson brown george harrison john lennon Jimmy, Jimi Hendrix didn't live a very long life, but all these people, they would let an album speak for themselves. Especially, I'm going to 
play to Willie Nelson because I was mentioning his granddaughter earlier who uh, I've been talking to. You have albums of Willie Nelson's like, okay, Stardust. If you're ever driving late at night, especially in the fall, you want to listen to an album, you put Stardust on and it'll, it'll, it'll touch you emotionally. Not all his songs. Um, Chris Christopherson, um, Moment of Forever. That album is one of the albums that really made me love his work. I always loved his work. My dad used to sing me to sleep with his songs, but uh, Chris's songs. <laughs> Getting into concept albums. Willie Nelson's albums. Yesterday's Wine. That is that is probably the most spiritual album you ever find. Spirit is a spiritual album. Um, tougher than leather. <laughs> Great story about an old gunfighter. And then you get to Redheaded Stranger. So many great songs. Some ones he didn't write, but he owned them. Like when you hear Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain, you think of Willie Nelson. Okay. Um, Taylor Swift and her latest album, Folk Folklore. I I just picked up a coffee copy of it, um, and was drinking coffee, and I was thinking of Taylor. I'm like, you know, I she's a female artist, and she comes from a perspective that a lot of guys don't relate to. Like, it's not too many guys are gonna say, oh wow, I really bought the new Taylor Swift album, and rather than um, Megadeth, I don't know, Metallica. But I love Taylor for that reason. T Taylor has, if you listen to his latest album, so many perspectives from different songs that she throws in where you're actually lo looking at the same song from three different angles, and it'll reach back to a song she wrote years and years ago. And you can listen to the song and you can appreciate it on the level of it just being a song. But then when you get into that depth and you really see the work that is put into it, it's, it's phenomenal. And it, it was very much a gift that was written during this pandemic by Taylor Swift for her fans. That's the giving process. I'm sure her bank account is a lot bigger than mine by thousands of times. Willingly, she deserves every bit of it. I myself did not um, market myself as well when I was her age. But she has taken that and thrown it aside and not let it go into her head. Instead, she's given back to her fans and I pictured when she released that album that she's sitting there just rubbing her hands together going, oh, I can't wait to give this to my fans. They're going to love this so much. Okay. That's the beauty of the, the process. And I, I said I said something. Uh, Rayla Nelson has this thing where you can text her. And I've, I've known Raylan for about a I believe a couple years now. She's friends with... She records at a studio where a friend of mine records at... Um, Jen Wurtz records at. And um, Pittsburgh when she's up here. And 
Yeah, I've always liked always liked the kid. All all the Nelsons I've said before are awesome people. They're all creative. They're all down to earth. They're good people. So she's she had this thing you could text to get updates on the uh, when she's touring, and I thought, well, okay, you know, do I first of all do I want to get my number out? Is this is this real? Is this you know? I wanted to check first, and <clears throat> my first tried, I was like, well, eh, I don't want to do this, and I, yeah. So we started texting back and forth, and you, it's really nice. She's paying for this, and it's an outreach to her fans. And I think Raylan has the same thing. And, and I, it was it was so great because one of the best things, if you ever look at uh, Amy Nelson and Folk Uke with uh, Arthur Guthrie's daughter, uh, Paula Nelson, um, Willie's two sons, I, I can't think of their name right now, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry. The one is an amazing artist. He does. Oh my God! Um, but they're all authentic people, and Raylan is. And that's that's why I said to her. I said, you know, you do this amazing podcast, and I love it. I really love it because you're authentic, and you're not trying to be anything more than yourself. So many other people are so fake in this world. It's so nice to have somebody like those kinds of people. Jackson Brown had posted the other day, who was a, I believe his acquaintance of my brother, Mark. Mark had been a roadie back in the day, and back in the, I want to say late 60s, early 70s, I forget when, according to my brother, who is now passed on, so I can't ask him a whole lot, he had dated Jackson Brown's uh, cousin, You get into bands like Corbin Hanner Band, uh, Henway, all these different people. Uh, my brother Mark had always had a love because of Jimi Hendrix for the guitar. And knew a lot of different different famous people. You know, in the same way with my, my dad had been district supervisor of household finance and GE Credit Corporation. And... Um, my cousin was married to one of the Steelers, so I, I, as, a, as a kid, knew a lot of famous people, and I didn't think twice, oh, that's the guy on TV, wow. And I thought, all right, you know, maybe everybody's on TV. But with Mark, knowing people like Jackson Brown and being a roadie, and he had his own bands he was in, but he always loved being a roadie because he loved the connections just... just being around the music and he got to see a lot of really cool concerts that most people wouldn't be able to see and get backstage and Mark had a way like that. Jackson Brown was saying how hard things are right now with this pandemic and just how important a lot of these people backstage at these venues that they've been out of work since March and they're not doing so well. And some of them have gotten other jobs. So really, a lot of these venues, they go to put on a show, and they, they just don't know how to, where, to, where to begin. So I uh, was really touched by that, because when he said that the other day, it made me realize just how much he appreciates those people that 
have made the shows good and have made it work. Wonderful. It, it's that's what music should be about. For every every frontman you see out there, there's people behind the scenes making that show work. And in these times, yeah, all these bands and front people are really doing a lot to, to keep the music alive. The ones that were kind of fake have gone and done something else. They're not even doing music right now. A lot of people are not in it for the right reason. You, you've gotten to the core of what music really is. Of what writing really is. That's why if you listen to a Taylor Swift album written during the quarantine and the pandemic, it's as poetic and powerful as what Patrick Stewart has been doing. Just finished recently reading Shakespeare's sonnets that were written during the quarantine of um, the time of the Black Death, in which Shakespeare lost his son Hamlet, in fact. And you read these sonnets, and on a, on a surface level, yes, they're very powerful. Every line is equal variance, it's equal measure, it's equal length, it's, it's got all those twists and turns to it that in that structured setting are one of the greatest pieces of literature ever written. Beautiful writing and such things are written when there's great suffering. I wrote a poem on October 2nd called The Torchbearer. And it, it deals with this very subject. Now, I use this ink I'm using. I'll talk about that in a moment. The Torchbearer. You will leave them all here with this flame's flicker by the ebbing moon, all of your laurels, until they no longer suit you, until they no longer describe you. Poet, hiker, traveler, psychology student of the university with great panache, you blaze your light in the darkness, proving nothing except to those whose lights where light existed of the very source. This is all you've been, valueless from the beginning, miserable wrench with divine soul. You will leave them all here with this flame's flicker until the next torchbearer. That's that's the meaning of it. <laughs> the whole podcast so far is just right there. The writing wrote that in this ink, L. Lawrence, that Noodlers makes. It's a bulletproof ink, um, constant eternal color, water-based, um, neutral pH, the desert eternal, Lawrence of Arabia. On one side of his the bottle, it shows his travels from Mecca to Aleppo. And on the other, the port of Cueva. And 
this is a true eternal ink. It's it's like like a dark green, okay. And it's the only ink I've ever come across that when I write with something, I can take water, bleach, anything, and it's not coming off. The paper's going to disintegrate before that. And I'm really hooked on it. I was sitting there thinking, um, it costs a little more than the average ink. But what I wanted to use it for when I write sign books and um, do my manuscript work of my final draft before I submit it in handwritten form. I always like to have that and then a printed copy. It's it's uh, something my friend Vika would say is doing twice the work, but that's, that's just how I, I, I don't care. Um, I have that same feeling as Taylor Swift when you're releasing your work for your fans and it's like your child and you're so excited not knowing how it's going to be received and in the end you really don't care and you really don't even care if you make money off it I think I think she's at that point right now she has enough money that um, not, nothing against her she has enough money that she can live comfortably she doesn't have to like play gigs um, I bet she'd love to still do that though okay because you love that audience but when I sign something like that, I want it to be something that, not like some of these inks where they start to fade or the red wears off. Or I, I want it, my work, if I sign a book or I sign something for you, and if I use this ink, it's not going anywhere. Pretty, pretty neat. It, it harkens back to the khaki Kellers, the military uniforms. So I've got that. I've got. Purple Heart, I have Liberty's Alyssum, Black Swan and Australian Roses, um, this other blue ink, I have a shimmering ink I bought on a whim, and uh, Majestic Blue, Diamine, and Blue Velvet, I got that at a estate sale. But I really love this L. Lawrence. It's 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 touching, and um, that to me is kind of like uh, what Taylor does in her latest album. I mean, you can you can take it face value, but there's all those little Easter eggs, as they call them. Uh, I throw a little bit of history and things like that in there. So. I want to I hope everybody's doing a little bit better. We're, we're really not out of this pandemic, and I don't think we're even anywhere near being out of it. Unfortunately, I think tonight is one of the first times in a while that my friend um, Raylan is, is performing. I think it's tonight at 7. It's, it's over by now. She's probably still performing right now. So with, with Raylan, I want to just think about that. And, uh, hmm. It, it it's good to see her back performing. Uh, I I'd spoken with her earlier in the week about some personal issues I've been dealing with, and it was so nice to have somebody that listened to me, gave me a genuinely thoughtful and caring um, response. It's 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 a tough world right now. It, it's a really tough, heartbreaking world, and. Um, mm -hmm.
you know, I'm getting messages. People know that I've been quiet for more than half an hour. <laughs> That's my friend from Australia. He uh, wanted me to read a poem here the other day. And uh, he's friends with my friend Diane, too, and a member of the Wolfpack. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, it was good talking to you all. I wanted to cover the base of music right now, where we're at musically in this world, what a lot of people are going through, what authenticity is. And I'm reminded, staring here at this pen, this cross pen I'd made up at a ridiculous price. And it's not one of my favorite writers, so it sits here, and I never have it inked up. I, uh, I leave my feelings about it uh, to myself. It's a nice pen. But I, I had my name and Valerie's name put on this. And as the end of October, the middle of October, comes to us, I think about Valerie she was one of the most phenomenal people I've ever met, one of the true loves of my life. And um, I dedicated a book to her after she passed away. It'll, it's going to come up to be the anniversary of her death. And it, these things always sting. I can't talk about authenticity without really talking about why when we lose somebody, especially like that's a phenomenal loss, I can't ever put into words, why when we lose somebody does it hurt so much and why does it hurt to go on? It hurts, hurts to go on because you have to live with living without that person being there, their input, um, who they are, who they were to you, and you're going to know you're going to change. Who we've been through in all the stages of our lives, you don't want to change. You want to stay in that moment and be who they remembered you, remember you as being. So I have this pen with her name on it. It's a pearl white. It's a, I believe it's a Beverly. It's a, it's a very, not a feminine pen, but I wanted something to kind of remind me of that. Hold me to the mark. When I open up my uh, desk here, my roll top desk, where I'm out somewhere, that pen, I always make sure it has her name looking up at me. And when I write something, I always look and think, is this something Valerie would want to read? Am I being authentic to myself? And we're coming up on the anniversary of her death. And that day when I was out hiking and I came back and I wanted to show her pictures. And uh, she lived a distance from me. I could go there in one day. But um, I was totally blown away, all these people saying nice things about her. And then I got to one that said R.I.P. And I went in this horrible shock of like, what? You know, nobody told me. And uh, her kids had found her. It was, it was an awful thing. But I, 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 everything I do, I celebrate her life. I always remember that she said, be authentic. Be authentic in everything you do. And... I'm going to be making her book at a... I'm going to have my publisher. I'm going to call them up tomorrow. They know I do this every year. Uh, I want to have it discounted 
at least the ebook. The, the printed version, I can't control that. Uh, that's that's handled by different people, but the ebook, I want this discounted, and all this money goes to charity that I write for these books. I really don't make any money at it, so it's not like it matters to me, anyways. But I always want to celebrate her life. And I keep revolving in these series of things, and we're living in a time where we're losing a lot of people. So for me, I want to end this if I'm talking about being authentic, is looking at all the people right now that are suffering in the world. And feeling that same incredible loss. It's awful. I know my friend Nikki lost your grandmother from this, this COVID. And I'm seeing, uh, you know, Fiona Prine dealing with uh, the loss of John Prine. And it just, I'll look at some of her posts and I just, I get tears in my eyes. And I, I had said that the other day and someone said, made a really rude comment to me and it was made for that it was it was a troll and i just thought okay well we all have to treat each other with love respect and kindness being authentic don't let your merits your name uh that spotlight shoot those lights out because <laughs> who you are is who you are Always be yourself. There's only one you in this world. And I'll leave this with something that really, really touched me too. And this goes back to Valerie. There was a woman in, a, in an organization I know whose husband had been a pro wrestler. And he passed away. And I, I was just very touched and moved because he, because he wasn't a very old man. And I, it was sudden. And I could feel the pain in her words that I had felt many times in my life. And when I do that, I, it touches me deeply. And I was, I was looking back through, you know, sharing to help raise money, looking to where I could help pass on at least the information where this, people could donate to this man's funeral. And he had this quote, one of the last things he had shared. And it was summed up with words that brought a smile to my face because he talked about life. And knowingly or unknowingly, the person who wrote this, wrote this had quoted what I'd quoted in this book, Valerie. One of Valerie's favorite quotes. We got into spirituality and Ram Dass. And it was... We're all just walking each other home. We're all just walking each other home. I'll leave you with that to think about it. Whenever you feel down, not just not just not just talking to people that are famous or people that are but people that are, feel really down in life. You feel like nobody has your back. Remember, just as much. You need to be lifted up and know your power. We're all just walking each other home. Don't look down on anybody. Don't look down on anybody. We're all equal human beings to be loved. It's not our possessions. It's none of those things. Be love, be grace, be kindness and compassion, and be, most of all, authentic.